0: President Trump at a rally over the weekend, there was only one reporter that got an exclusive interview and she joins us now. She's with Georgia Star News, Laura Baggard. First off, Laura, congratulations on getting the interview. Welcome to the show, it's great to have you.
1: Thank you so much, for Chris, for having me, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait to hear kind of the vibe on the ground, what it was like with the interview. But first, just to let our audience know, you may remember back on June 17th, President Trump sent out a statement, said thank you, congratulations to Laura. Of the Georgia Star News and the incredible reporting that she has done. Keep going. The scam is all unraveling fast. So let's just start with the, the rally Saturday. I mean, what shocked me the most, and you and I talked about this a little bit off camera, but it's June, you know, 2021. We still have well over a year for the midterms. 15,000 plus people show up in the middle of the summer in rural Ohio. What was the vibe like? What were people talking to you about?
1: Well, it was, um, as any Trump rally, right? I mean, it's, it's like a big reunion. Everybody's, it's a giant love fest. Everybody loves each other. I mean, you could leave your wallet, your purse, not have to worry about anything. Um, just people are connected. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. It's, it's hard to describe it to people who haven't gone anything. It's just, it's a bunch of love. There's no anger. Um, no, no, Violence, no, anything. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a wonderful, a wonderful place to be, and uh, people were arriving. We got there about ten o'clock, and uh, the president wasn't scheduled to be on stage until seven p.m. And people were already lined up, and they had their gear on. and some of these pictures that you're showing from our, our, our story there, where people and this, this uh, bridge, I didn't know the story about this, but um, these people, I think, drove from Michigan. And had music going from early in the morning, and people were dancing around, and it's just, it's just great. Um, and the, you know, people are dressed up, and they're standing, and it was hot, like you said, it's summer. It was mid eighties. It was very humid. You're in the middle of an open field, picture fairgrounds. You know, there's no shelter anywhere. People are just baking in the sun and while some people sort of tailgated it was not like your typical football tailgating with drinking or anything like that and uh just just a a really great time with people just happy to see each other and comparing each other's shirts and flags and hats and buttons and you know there's just there's never been anything like this i mean really when you think about it president trump is the most popular person in the world, the single most popular person. It's not just here, it's all around the world. So to, to be part of that, you can just feel it with, with everybody who's there, how, how devoted they are to him because they they feel that he's devoted to them and our country.
0: Well, it's so interesting that you bring that up because, you know, one of the things that jumps out to me is it's not like there was some rock band that was getting ready to play, like it's it's just President Trump an American flag, some other politicians, and yet these people are standing in line, as you mentioned, for hours. And so, you mentioned you got there early. I, I think what I'd love to know is what was on the top of people's minds as you're going around and talking to, whether it be felt, you know, the people from Ohio. It sounds like people from Michigan were there. Like, what were the top topics that people were bringing up to you?
1: I think that the, the real feel is that y- you know, I mean, this this may get us in trouble airing this, but the election was stolen. Everybody knows who the president is. All these people know it. They know it was stolen. Just how do we get them back in? Because all the other problems that we have, the discussions that are going on now with the border and the refugees getting dumped into our states and the uh, even the recovery from COVID, the whole economic situation, spending money that we don't have, critical race theory, all of these issues can't get solved if we don't have better leadership at the top. And there's only one person who will tackle all of those issues and who cares to take them on, and is brave enough to take them on. So, you know, a a lot of the different shirts that people are wearing are talking about, you know, who won the election and who their president still is. And, you know, the the deep state type of stuff, the the, the swamp, uh, and all the people have been working against us, President Trump, but like he has said, it's not about him, it's about us. We're really who they're trying to get to. So that's that's top of mind for people is how do we fix this? And and they're looking at the 2024 election, of course, and, you know, they were hoping to hear that's what was going to happen, that he would announce that later that evening.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to wait a little bit. But, I you know, I, I do want to get to that because you've been doing some incredible work out of Fulton County there in Georgia. First, though, take us through the interview. And I think what but you share the story, because. How did you book it? And then you ended up in the back of the limo with him having a conversation, like walk us through that.
1: Well, it, it is really a crazy sequence of events. So after the email that you you showed, uh, Liz Harrington, uh, President Trump's new spokesperson reached out to the owner of the Star News Network of which the Georgia Star News is one of the family of publications. So Liz had reached out and wanted to give me a personal message, asked Michael how to get a hold of me. And so we had a three-way conversation, and during that conversation, she said, "We're sitting around here. And President Trump wanted me to give you a personal message and thank you for the reporting you've been doing." And Michael jumped in and said, "Hey, while while you're in Ohio, would it be possible for Laura to get an interview with President Trump?" So we confirmed that you know we would plan to be on the ground there anyway. And Liz said, "Well, let's see if we, what we can do." So it kind of just sat there for a couple days. That was probably the end of last week. And uh, or the week before, excuse me, it kind of sat there a little bit and we talked about, um, you know, I I had to give credentials and, you know, that kind of information. But there was no set time or anything. So we went there early to make sure that we wouldn't miss it. There's one road into this fairground. So you're very nervous about whether you're going to get there. And I'm I'm thinking I'll walk if I have to park the car and I'll (laughs) walk. (laughs) So as the day wore on, I still didn't have a time for the interview. And they finally told me it was going to be about 6:30, which I thought great because I had been told that most people get five minutes with the president, maybe 10, if you're lucky, but if it runs late or he likes some person and he likes how the interaction is going, you could get bumped, you could get longer. Like it's very unknown because he is completely free as we see. So, you know, again, it was, it was just kind of winging it for the day. They told me 6.30. I was very happy with that because since he was going to be on stage at seven, that gave us, you know, not the full half hour, but I figured, well, we probably would get 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, Since we're print media, it's usually just the reporter, but they were going to allow our photographer to go in. Well, we go over to the area in the fairgrounds. There's a separate building that they were going to do the interview. We go over there on a golf cart with one of the communications persons, and we're, we're waiting there to get called in and we get brought over there and they're shuffling people around and i think you've been around this you know how they're you know they're so worried about his safety that they try to keep distance and all that kind of stuff and you know i wasn't really clear on what was going to happen but all of a sudden i get called into a room and president trump says look we the cameras are out there they're ready to go we won't have enough time so would it be okay if he, with you if we did the interview afterwards when we drive back to the airport so you could come with me and we'll go on the drive and that should be about 30 minutes so of course i said anything you say mr president so then they we all drove in the motorcade over to the tent that sits behind the stage and i just waited back there and actually i was able to get a chair and pull it up off to the side where the other dignitaries were sitting uh Governor Kristi Noem was there from South Dakota. Um, I couldn't really see everybody who was there. I think Mike Lindell was there, huge fan of uh, President Trump, but I couldn't see except when they came in and out. All the all the folks that were there, the the in the VIP section. So I was able to sit on the side and watch from a totally different vantage point until the, uh, the he he finished speaking. All, about an hour and a half later. So. I just made sure I was following at a distance that was safe, but I'm like, I'm not letting this opportunity get away. He said I could go, I'm going. So he directed me to go around the other side of the SUV from his side, and we got in. And someone handed him a Diet Coke, and he asked me if I wanted something to drink, and got me a bottle of water. And oh, it's completely initiated on his part. He was looking out for me to make sure I was taken care of close the door, start driving off, and after a few exchanges with the security person about how it went and the crowd and the feel, which was absolutely amazing, then uh, he turned to me and he said, so what can I do for you? And I said, well, Mr. President, I think what the people really want to know is what can we do for you? And that just started a whole dialogue he went through all of the facts about the election and what happened almost hour by hour, what states, what votes, which were the swing states, which ones change votes. I mean, we've seen, he has a tremendous memory. He has a uh, amazing capacity for data and names, places, people, everything. And he just rattled off a whole bunch of information like that, talking about the election. And then we talked about different politicians and media outlets and, uh, as you saw today, he put an email out talking about the ratings drops for CNN and MSNBC, which he just, I think he revels in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, all kinds of topics. I mean, I would say he almost interviewed me as much as I interviewed him. He just, he, he there's a couple things that jump out and I, I, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but he, everything you see is just really how he is. And I think it's just it was just so reaffirming to see that he's just as a genuine person who cares about people, all people, every person, our country. He, uh, is just very gracious, very generous. I mean, he didn't have to do that to, to take me along and try to make something special for one person who he doesn't even know. I mean, it's just, it just was an amazing, uh, amazing gesture on his part. And his trustworthiness, you know, to to trust to to bring a complete stranger in there, security detail or not, or, you know, uh, security checks or not. And just, it really speaks a lot to a character of a person who would, with
0: all, when you put all this together. You know, I mean, his business obviously is hospitality, but he's just, he's the ultimate hospitality person. I mean, like the fact that the the former president of the United States says to you, okay, Laura, like, well, what can I do for you? I just think it knows exactly, you know, who he is, right? Yes. Just, it's yes. incredible. So right. I think, you know, you, you spoke about the election and, and I think anybody, if you're in president Trump's shoes and you saw what was happening November 3rd, and then things started to flip, you know, the next day, and there was all these changes, like, it's got to really hurt your heart and your mind. How did he seem? Did he seem like he was in good spirits? Like, everything's going to be okay. We're, we're going to be fine in 2022, 2024. What, what, what was his spirit like?
1: So he's a very positive person. You know, there isn't any, there is no sense of defeat. In fact, when he got into the SUV, he's been standing out in the sun and the heat for an hour and a half in a suit jacket and a tie. And you know, you, you know how that is tight around your neck. And he got into that SUV and you would have there was no change in energy there was no the typical like where you would sink down in the seat and and feel exhausted none of that and he just spoke very matter-of-factly and that we have a job to do we have a mission we have to get to the bottom of um and and, as we talked off camera um you know he has an amazing way of communicating without saying the kinds of full sentences that we might say that we need to get to the bottom of the election. This is what we need to do. He just has a way of saying three or four words and we all know what he means. And we just have to play this thing out. arizonas we should be getting the, the report this week. Uh, Wisconsin announced that they were gonna be doing something. You know, Georgia, there's stuff going on there. Michigan, we've got Antrim County, even if the, the legislature isn't doing anything, who knows what's gonna come out of that. Pennsylvania came on the tour. I mean, there's a lot happening, and I think it's just to keep working it What's and we'll evaluate what to do after that.
0: Yeah, and I want to, um, if you don't mind, Laura, keep you from, um, I'm going to take a short break here, play commercial for our audience, but then keep you and talk more about just the interview in itself and, of course, the great work that you've been doing in Georgia. So everybody out there, please share your point of view with us. Put the comments in here for this live stream and stick around. We're going to have part two of this interview coming up here in just a moment.
2: My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. I'm interrupting this commercial right now. Retailers have canceled my pillow, and to thank you for your support, I'm going to pass the savings directly on to you. Go to mypillow.com right now to get deep discounts on all my pillow products. For example, you can get my premium my pillows, regularly $69.98, now just $29.98—the lowest price ever. For the best night's sleep
0: in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back to Point of View. Thank you for staying with us here and joining us right now for part two of this interview. Laura Bagert, she's a Georgia news uh, reporter, Georgia Star News, excuse me, reporter, had the exclusive interview on Saturday with President Trump after the rally in Ohio, his first rally really since obviously being president of the United States. So Laura, um, thank you for sticking around. Anything else you want to share with us about the interview with President Trump? that you think we should know?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I, I guess, you know, as I said, he just he was as genuine as he comes across to everybody. And uh, it's very it's really great to be able to just affirm that for folks that he is everything that you see as gracious and generous and um like you said uh, hospitality business is the right one for him to be in
0: (laughs) he's just you know i I wish that the mainstream media understood his sense of humor because i think if they did it would just have been such a different experience of him because he really he's hysterical i think he's super funny did you find the same thing
1: and if he if they would only approach him without the first thing that they want to do is a gotcha i mean gotcha is kind of the least that they do to him I think they would find a very different experience uh and he, he actually when he's met people on the tarmac and you know he, he does treat them very well it's it's really hard to understand why they act the way that they do
0: you know i think you bring up a great point we've talked about it a bunch here on the show it's hard to fathom that the media would want to go against a president of the united states whose tagline is make america great <laughs> Again." Basic thing you would want to do, so I guess that's where we're at right now. But um, one of the reasons you got the interview is because of the great work you've been doing in Georgia. So if you want to share with our audience, and some of this gets pretty wonky, so you don't mind just talking to me like I'm a five year old. They talk about some of the chain of custody stuff that you've discovered, and what does that ultimately mean for the results in Georgia? And I think the big, the big thing is, you know, because it's so many electoral votes for the president race, but you also may be able to influence the U.S. Senate race with Ossoff and Perdue.
1: Right, right. So as most folks are probably know that this was the first time these, these absentee ballot drop boxes were used primarily in swing states, which allowed people instead of just dropping their ballot back into the mail the, the way that they got it in the first place, they were able to go to these mailbox type of boxes and just put their their ballot in there. So these drop boxes were funded in large part by the the group that, and I don't recall the name, but you had received $500 million from Mark Zuckerberg and his wife. So these drop boxes, there were 37 of them, and sometimes 38 installed in Fulton County, which is the home of Atlanta. And so what... The way that these got enacted in the first place was that the secretary of state and the, the state election board put in an emergency rule in, Ju- in July of 2020 that allowed the drop boxes and prescribed some measures around how to keep them secure. So they had a bunch of requirements like you had to have a 24 hour video camera watching them and it had to be lit and they had to be securely installed to the grounds so somebody couldn't come and pick a box up and take it away. They had to be locked, you know, all those kinds of things. Couldn't get wet inside. It also describes some processes that the ballots had to be picked up at least once every 72 hours from the start of uh, early voting, which could be as early as 49 days before election day and that those ballots had to be picked up by a two-person collection team and and returned to the registrar. And the turning into the registrar, at you know, the, the elections registrar at Fulton County had to be moved in a way that they described as immediately transported. So there was a form that had to be filled out that talks about, that documents basically that chain of custody from the box to the registrar and the form would be filled out by both the collection team and what they had to do was record where the box was located so at the Smith library on main street so they would document the location the date that they picked up the ballots the time that the ballots were picked up then they'd have to print and sign their names for each of the two collection the uh collection team members then when they get to the registrar which would be immediately after the collection then the registrar would sign it in, in at with the receipt time and print and sign their name. So that's what the rule required that if you're going to use Dropboxes, this is the way they had to be handled. Now, these records are obviously public, uh, they, they're just chain of custody documents. There's nothing confidential about them, it just documents these things that we talked about. So back in December, the the Georgia Star News requested from all 159 counties in Georgia their chain of custody documents called absentee ballot drop box transfer forms. So we requested that from all 159 counties and some of them came back and said, well, we didn't use drop boxes and other ones came back and said, well, we don't know if we have the documents that you're asking for. So it took a lot of time to get the information. Bullen County in particular, they, they responded in January and gave us a bunch of documents, but the way that they set them up, they put them in drop boxes when they emailed the form, scanned copies of the forms to us. Well, they sent us a file with a suffix on it. A, the file name had BX1 and a second file had BX3. So to most people that would look like, well, where's BX2? You know, and then we looked at the number of forms in it and the number of ballots that the that those transfer forms represented. And it looked like we were short. So we had two pieces of circumstantial evidence that we didn't have all the documents we asked for. So we told Fulton County that and we asked for the rest of the documents. Well, on May 3rd, they said, well, we copied them all onto a thumb drive for you. Come and pick them up and then you'll have all of them. Well, we went through those with painstaking detail, recording each of the data points into an Excel spreadsheet. So that's the, the box name, uh, the, the date that they were picked up, the number of ballots, the time that they were picked up, the two people who collected them, the registrar, whether they signed it, all of this, every single field we recorded. Over 21,000 pieces of data were recorded to evaluate this. And we found a couple of things. First of all, what we found was that not uh, about 80% of the forms were not returned immediately, and the stand, or excuse me, the balance were not returned immediately. And the standard that we used for that was one hour, because there was not any Dropbox location that was more than an hour away from the registrar's office. In fact, most of them were less than 20 minutes. So it was a very generous standard. So that already raises a question about the chain of custody, because where were they during these hours? and part of that had to do with the fact that they these two-person collection teams were not just going to leaving the registrar's office with the key going to a box collecting the ballots and driving right back to the registrar they were going to three four five six seven different drop boxes and collecting the ballots and then returning after they completed a cycle of some number of boxes but many of the forms had no documented time from the registrar, which is a problem because we don't know when they got them at all. We have no time recorded. We also found based on a spreadsheet that Fulton County provided us, and I'm not sure that they, if they did this intentionally or not, but they had a spreadsheet that listed all of the drop boxes in uh, across the top and then the dates, the 41 days that of the election period, and they told us how many ballots they collected from each of the Dropbox locations on for every one of their collections. Well, what was interesting was when I went through each of the forms that we had received uh, a digital copy of, we counted up that we were missing 385 forms uh, or, or documentation for 385 collections. So we reported that to Fulton County and said, look, we're missing it. And by your spreadsheet, it looks like there were 18,901 ballots represented on those 385 forms. And we would like the rest of the forms. Well, weeks went by. We didn't hear anything. And finally they came back. And this was the newsbreaker that an elections official admitted that they could not find those forms. And they, the way they said, the way that they portrayed it to us was that a few forms are missing that and it was due to a quarantine at the uh, Elections Preparation Center warehouse due to COVID and that, the, that, that a few procedural pr- paperwork had been misplaced was the way that they worded it. Both statements minimized A, the quantity of ballots that were missing. The 300 or. Excuse me. Transfer forms. Three hundred eighty-five transfer forms out of fifteen hundred transfer forms is twenty-four percent. By any measure, that is not a few forms. Number two, the calling it procedural paperwork when it really is the critical chain of custody of the absentee ballots themselves is, and to word it like procedural paperwork was just not at all. It, it, it way downplayed the importance of these documents. So that was our breaking news, and that's what President Trump was talking to. He had been following our stories, I think, for some time, because we had been breaking news that 300,000 tra- uh, documentation for 300,000 ballots has, has still not been produced by the 123 counties in Georgia that actually use drop boxes. So it's been a, a hard slog to try to work through to get all of this documentation, which is publicly available documents that should have, there should be no problem. And the question it raises on a, on a higher level, if there are 1500 forms that document the the chain of custody. And if you think about this, like how a normal process oriented person would handle this. So on any given day, there's 37 drop boxes. So you, the most you'd have is 37 sheets of paper, right? And, on this, the collection started on September 29th. So you take your 37 sheets of paper, you put them in a pile with September 29th at the bottom, and then the 37 sheets from September 20th would go on top of it, September 30th, excuse me, would go on top of it. And then October 1 on top of that, October 2, until you get to November 3rd. We were missing documents, like we missed all of uh, October 9, 10, and 11, October 20th, October 7th, like how do you just miss days? If you were handling papers like this, that document the chain of custody, how did these random days just disappear like that?
0: So I think the big question that people have though is, is okay, does it change anything? Like what, what's next? What would you say to that?
1: Well, the thing that I would say to that is we, we did not get documentation for 18,901 ballots out of Fulton County alone. The election was decided by 11,799 votes. So if we can't produce those ballots, we don't know whose name was on them. And, you know, you could look at it and say, well, we're trying to change the election. But where are those are their ballots are actually there? Where are the ballots? And everybody should be concerned about what What if Joe Biden got more votes than than the 11,799? But they're only arguing in the other direction. So that's pretty telling.
0: It's sort of like when when all the fake news stories would come out, it would always go one direction. It was only fake news about Trump, you know, never about obviously Joe Biden. And if it was real news, Hunter Biden laptop, then they would then they would, you know, make sure that you couldn't find out about that. So Right. um, Right. Laura, great job. I mean, again, congratulations on the interview. I just am so happy for you. And just please continue to do the great work. We look forward to having you back on in the future. Okay.
1: Thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time very much.
0: Thank you. And again, it's the Star News Network. They've got a bunch of different now kind of local. They got the Georgia Star News, Minnesotasun.com for Minnesota viewers. If you want to check them out, they're doing some great work, great work there, Minnesotasun.com. And then they've got Arizona and Ohio, obviously, and other places. So go check them out, doing great work there. All right, stay with us. We got much more coming up here on Point of View. As always, please share your point of view with us. Very easy to do. You can email us, text us, leave us a comment, voicemail, whatever's easiest for you. We've got our leadership quote of the day and much more coming up right after this.